Thank you, Sam. Thank you to Katie also who read the previous uh, passage and to Pam for playing that great hymn we've just sung also. Would you pray with me as I begin? Lord, I pray that you would take these words and turn them into something beautiful that we may know something new of you today that would transform our lives and build your kingdom here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know whether you've seen on Gordon Avenue this amazing VE Day garden that is uh, available uh, in the front of Denise's house for everyone to look at. You can take uh, a look yourself um, if you walk along Gordon Avenue and as part of your exercise walk, you can take a look and see that amazing thing. I don't know what you did for your VE Day celebrations uh, or remembering on uh, Friday. Um, it t- to be honest, it took me a while to remember that it was indeed a bank holiday, uh, but then uh, some, wonderful, uh, some wonderful family time, time spent uh, enjoying our freedoms, enjoying all that we have, despite the situation that we find ourselves in. I was really struck by those words of Winston Churchill on the 8th of May, in 1945. He said, we may allow ourselves a brief period of rejoicing, but let us not forget for a moment the toils and the efforts that lie ahead. It might be that today, with the announcement from the Prime Minister, there is an opportunity for a brief period of rejoicing, but let us not forget all that lies ahead. I don't wish to compare what we are experiencing at the moment with the horrors of war. But there is something, I think, about recognising the journey and the path that we are on. The prayer that the Church of England put out for VE Day had these words in it. Guide us by your spirit. Give us wisdom. Give us courage. Give us hope. And keep us faithful. That is our prayer. It is our prayer today as it is every day. There is a lot of anxiety at the moment. Lots of uncertainty about our immediate future. Jesus had been talking to his disciples before our passage here in John's Gospel chapter 14. He'd been talking about going away. The disciples were naturally anxious Where was he going? Would they be able to follow him? And Jesus speaks of his father's house. The only other time that he spoke of his father's house in this way, in this gospel, is in chapter 2, verse 16, where he talks about the temple. For the people of Israel, the people who Jesus was with and about, the temple was the place where heaven and earth met We've been reading a bit about that in morning prayer this week as we've journeyed uh, uh, through Exodus together since Easter, actually since the build-up before Easter and on through these days that have been followed as we're still in the Easter season at the moment. We've been reading about the construction of the tabernacle, the portable temple, if you like, and the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant, the place where Yahweh dwelt It seems, I think, important for us at the moment as we think about 
our church buildings. What might it be to be back in our church buildings? I love this cartoon in the Church Times this week. Dave Walker, uh, we, we have a license to share some uh, Dave Walker cartoons as the church, which is great. And here um, is uh, this amazing one. If you've not seen it, look it up online about uh, what might we do with our church buildings when we're allowed back in, or some of us might be allowed back in. How important is it? What about those who cannot go to church? What about those for whom this radio broadcast, if you're listening on the radio, and others like it, have been a lifeline for them over recent weeks? Where is it that we understand God to be? Where does he reside? The disciples could understand that God was present in a particular place, in the temple. But now Jesus is talking about a new house and a new road that leads there. Thomas was grumpy as usual. What do you mean we know the way? We don't even know where you're going, he said. Jesus' reply is haunting and uncomfortable and challenging. I am the road, as Eugene Peterson's paraphrase puts it. If you want to know how to get to your father's house, you must journey with me, says Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Sometimes called the scandal of particularity. That amazing claim that some people find offensive, probably many of us, if we deep down sat and thought about what that might mean, we might all find it offensive. The scandal that the only way is Jesus. Jesus is the only way. In Acts chapter 4, Peter has been, just before that, chapter, end of chapter 3, um, at the beauty gate, uh, he and John have, have healed the, uh, the lame man. And has been, uh, they've been brought in front of the rulers. Acts chapter 4, beginning of verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The whole of the New Testament, the whole of early Christianity insists that the one true and living God has acted decisively within history in the person of Jesus to rescue the whole world. The idea of a vague and general truth to which all religions bear some kind of opaque similarity is not Christianity. The truth, the life, the life through which we know and will find a way is Jesus himself. 
The Jesus who washed his disciples' feet and invited them to mirror his example. The Jesus who gave his life as the shepherd for the sheep, as we heard about in our service last week. It's Jesus, not the church, not the arrogance of people telling others that they must behave in a particular way in order to join the club. Jesus, the way and the truth and the life. When we look at Jesus, the Jesus who wept at the tomb of his friend, the Jesus who meets us in our shame and in our scandal and still loves us. When we look at that Jesus, we see the one true God. The one true God who was rejected by those he came to save, who was crucified for our sake, who endured the worst that humanity could dream up. Rejected, yet precious. Rejected, yet precious. If you don't know this Jesus, can I invite you to find him? He is waiting to meet with you. All you have to do is ask. If there's somebody you can pray with, then um, you could ask them to pray with you or for you. Um, if you'd like to talk to me, you can just uh, get in touch. Drop me an email, vicar at eastwinchester.org, vicar at eastwinchester.org. Uh, you can uh, telephone me. Uh, my numbers are on the website. Um, you can call anyone you know who is a Christian. Anyone you know who reflects the light and the love and the hope and the joy of salvation through Jesus. And ask them to pray with you. You can meet the risen, ascended and glorified Lord. Lord who is rejected. Who was rejected. Yet is precious. The Jesus who said to his disciples in Matthew's gospel, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Jesus said, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That is the way. That is Jesus. Next to this garden in Gordon Avenue, uh, there is another display. A display of Simon's stones. Stones that were rejected from a neighbor's garden that are going to be put to a new use. Rejected yet precious. What an excellent metaphor that is. Peter, in the New Testament reading that Katie read for us, writing, I guess, to a mixed group of Jews and Gentile believers scattered throughout the um, northern regions of Asia Minor. Asia Minor. Asia Minor. Uh, he picks up those words he said in Acts in his letter. He also brings in those truths from Psalm 118, but also Isaiah 8 and Isaiah 28. Hear those words again this morning. As you come to him, as you, the living stones, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him 
will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe this stone is precious. Now, to those of you who believe, this stone is precious. But those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. In Isaiah 8, we read, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Our God is a holy God, not arrogant, but just. If we dethrone Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then we enthrone something or someone else instead. If we don't live in the light of the risen Jesus, whom we meet in the Gospels, we will stumble and fall. Hear those words from Psalm 118. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. And so we pray today that prayer from VE Day. Lord Jesus, guide us by your spirit. Give us wisdom. Give us courage. And give us hope. Keep us faithful now and always. Amen.